Welcome to the We Invested Podcast, where we teach you how to save and make more cash. I'm your host, Wesley Earp, and this is Season 3, Episode 31. And on this episode, we sit down with Veronica Sagastumi, a content strategist. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's do it. Today on the We Invested podcast, we have Veronica Sagastumi, and she is a business strategist and consultant. Veronica, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Wesley. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're definitely excited to have you here today, for sure. Okay, so just kind of, you know, going over some of your history and doing some research, I learned that you had a, that you have a really, you know, interesting backstory so, you know, would you mind telling us a little bit more about your journey from accounting and finance in Silicon Valley to content marketing strategies? Absolutely. It's not the typical route. So I like to always start by saying that I did start out the traditional way. You know, when you go to school, you go to college, you get your degree and you start pursuing the, you know, climbing up the corporate ladder and pursuing that elusive corner office. And I did that because I got that bug early on of, I love technology, I loved software, and I loved accounting. So I merged the two by having a niche, um, meaning that I was only going to work for companies that were either really fast paced. Um, being here in the Silicon Valley, I went after the, the early stage startups where you could really make a difference and wear a lot of hats. And the education that I got early on, you know, was just it was amazing. Not only did I make great friends, lifelong friends, but I also got an education that would later serve me when I would start my own consulting business and ultimately, um, you know, leave corporate America. But between the time when I left or graduated from college and left corporate America, it was a 20 year run, 20 years of, you know, going, um, working with a lot of amazing companies, building teams, getting exposed to a lot of, um, whether it was uh, software systems, different stages of the startups that require you to show up differently, whether it's, um, you know, being very resourceful and scrappy to being innovative and inspirational to the team that you're building or just having to get motivated when you had absolutely zero in the tank. And so that's a little bit of the background of like, yeah, I was very ambitious with my career. If I could just volunteer for that system integration, system conversion, whatever, I was raising my hand. And that got me noticed and it got me a lot of promotions and it led me to ultimately have that um, corner office in Silicon Valley. And actually at the time when I was starting to think about leaving, I was in San Francisco up you know, over there by Union Square in the financial district and having a corner office, which comes with a lot of perks and a great compensation package, but it also comes with a lot of stress and demands and uh, an imbalance between personal and professional life that is unsustainable. Um, yeah, and so that's kind of led me to decision of, you know, I, I was thinking about that there's gotta be something more, but when my grandmother got hurt, in the process, my grandmother who raised me and who was responsible, my original life coach, as I call her, you know, she raised me and was able to really um, give me some really solid foundation and core values. She got hurt and she needed a lot more attention. She was already in her early 90s. And I was just thinking that I wasn't going to be able to 
have her around much longer and I didn't want my career and my job to get in the way of me choosing her to be with her to give her a quality of of our time together um to be that that last stage of her life I didn't want that I really wanted to step back and and it was a scary thought to give up that corner office to start a consulting practice so that was the first decision and that was in 2010 for sure so um, you know, the tech field in, in uh, you know, Northern California and, um, has always been kind of male dominated, male driven. So, you know, how was that experience for you? Was it ever intimidating or did it did it kind of push you more to have more of that drive and, and to go further with it? What a great question. And Wesley, that's the first time I've ever been asked that on the air. So thank you for asking me and for giving me the opportunity, because I'll tell you right now, I know that uh, nobody can see us, but I'm on video, right? You can't see how short I am. I have a tall personality. I'm four foot 11. <laughs> so I had, uh, when my career started and that was like in the mid eighties or late eighties, I should say mid eighties, late eighties, um, early nineties, you know, there was a big boom in the Silicon Valley. I was so fortunate to find myself over there in Menlo Park with the Googles and the PayPals and the Ebays of the world. You know, back then it was another company that I was with, but I was with the people that were working in those companies. And yeah, a lot of uh, males in certain positions. And I was in finance. I was in accounting and finance, which is even back then was mostly men. Um, but I had to show up. I was constantly fighting the imposter syndrome. I was constantly thinking, I can't believe people are trusting me with this. Like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing, but neither did anybody else. And exactly. being with, well, I was in good company. And I think that um, pulling really long hours under a tremendous amount of stress, because back then we were also, a lot of us were working towards going public, taking a private company, going public with a skeleton crew while hiring, while implementing systems, while getting ready for a due diligence to ultimately take the company public. The amount of stress is indescribable but it was also very exciting. And that adrenaline is what kept you going, you know, pushing and pushing. Because I'm an ambitious person and I was more interested in being part of the solution, being part of the growth, that I didn't care too much about what people were thinking, especially about my age, because I do look young for my age, always have. Um, hopefully I will continue <laughs> to look younger than my age. And as, as a female Hispanic that looked super young, it was like three strikes against me. So I had to show up in a different way. I had to be more prepared than others would expect me to be. I had to, I read more. I dove in more. I just outworked so many more people that I showed up. I was, you know, like the trust that people gave me was because I earned it. When I opened my mouth, you know, a lot of times people thought that I was going to sound like a little kid. I found my voice, meaning like I spoke up, I used the right technology, I studied. And I knew that because of the way that I looked and the fact that I was a female and that I was short. And I know that sounds like, oh, that shouldn't matter. It's naive. It does matter. It matters so much because it's like who commands the room? It's the person that shows up with confidence. And confidence comes by you feeling like I know my material. I know my content. I know what I'm talking about. And you give examples or you share stories or you can state your case, make your case, justify your decisions, you know, show the workflow, all those things that I had to 
either create, navigate, or explain, or be part of. I had to just outperform and outwork, and it was a really hard time, but it also gave me the tools that I could use over and over again. And again, it's it's about, I, I use this um, example all the time, and I talk about, think of it as a toolbox, whether it's your craft tools or your, you know, tools to work on, you know, my grandpa left me a great big box of tools, you know, and wrenches and, and hey, I, if ever I need something, I'm like, I'm sure it's in that box. That's what it is also with our experience, isn't it? We go and grab a tool that we, we sometimes learn a hard lesson, sometimes an easier lesson, but in the Silicon Valley, we always used to have the saying, and it still exists, which is fail fast and fail often. Because the greatest lessons that we have in our career, in our personal life, in our business is by the failures, the, the mistakes that we make. We don't do them again. If you do, shame on you, right? So it was a, a hard time, but it was exciting and I wouldn't trade it for anything. For sure. And I can, and I can definitely still hear like the passion and the drive and that ambition, like you said in your voice, like it, it, it still sounds like you have that hunger in you like still it does doesn't it it's like i can't help myself <laughs> it was a long time ago but it's still it's still there how about you wesley what about you have you had something like that in your past it was a real difficult challenge for you or how was an experience in the past yeah for sure so i'm originally from north carolina so when i was like 22 i moved from north carolina to las vegas and i moved mm. from like a small town so moving to Vegas was like a huge eye-opening experience. I went to do uh, wealth management and um, I stayed in Vegas for a year and seven months and moved to Seattle right afterwards. And Seattle was like one of my toughest experiences to where I can really relate to what you were saying, you know, having to show up and kind of try to be better than the rest just to, you know, show that you belong where you are. So I can definitely mm -hmm. relate to that story for sure. And did you feel like you learned a lot from that experience? Oh, I definitely learned a lot. Like when I was in Seattle, I was 23 at the time, 23 and 24. And it felt like it was kind of moving too fast for me. But, um, you know, once I left, I really had the chance to appreciate and reflect and, and think about all the things that I learned. And I was able to apply them in the next city, which is the, the current city that I'm in now is Reno. So I was really mm -hmm. able to apply everything I learned, everything I observed, everything I went through in Seattle to to you know be where I am today mm -hmm. uh, amazing yeah we just learn from those experiences it makes us better exactly so you know what would you say drew you to content marketing so it wasn't like a straight um you know road it, it basically after I left my corporate career my corporate job I started a CFO a accounting and CFO consulting practice which I still have today that business is still going and I it's more of an agency where we have retainer clients and I have a team and they help me run it because we deal in accounting and bookkeeping and taxes and CFO consulting I saw some of my colleagues um, struggle with using social media to show up in the online space and there's this opportunity to grow expand and to have a greater reach and a deeper impact with an uh client base beyond your geography like your, you know your 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 local community and so i i hired an online marketing coach back i started my consulting practice in at the end of 2010 
But in 20, at the end of 2015, early 2016, I hired an online marketing coach so that I could learn about social media and webinars and all these different terms that I never had heard of before in my life. But I knew that there was an opportunity. I actually went to Vegas for a conference um, summer of 2015, and I heard someone who had a very similar background to mine and she had become this business coach um, and she was talking about the online space and social media and back then I didn't even have a Facebook account I was so anti-social media shame on me by the way because I did not understand the opportunity and so I started to real I started you know when you start in any business you go really wide you can sir you can do you're like i can help everybody and you quickly realize no you got to niche down and niching just means you specialize you want to serve a specific group of people that you can really accelerate their growth or their you know transformation and so as i kept niching down i started to recognize that there was a sweet spot between what i've done in the past in accounting and finance and operations and what my colleagues in that world could I could help them with. So while I was still running my consulting practice, I started to, um, as I was showing up online, whether it was Instagram or Facebook, LinkedIn, my colleagues were like, how are you doing that? What is that? Is that work? Do you, can you really get clients like that? Or it's like, how do you come up with that that thing like they didn't even know what language or what term to use for graphics or like a video with captions or how to you know uh, write the caption that goes with the image because they all they've done all they do is promote uh contact me for your tax consultation here's my phone number here are hours it's tax time you better book some time with me nobody's going to book them. That's not showing up online. And so I saw this for me to be able to share what I had learned and things that have worked for me to share them with a community of people where I know their pain points. I know their challenges. I know their language. So let me now create this uh, sort of service that is content creation, but with a strategy that could really help them to, to, see the opportunity that exists in the online space to grow their business. And let me tell you, COVID is a horrible, horrible thing that's happening to our world, but it has really helped other in other aspects. Like now you're not afraid of showing up in video or getting a Zoom call, getting a hopping on a Zoom call with either a coach, a consultant or a client. So for me in my business, it has eliminated this barrier of people not understanding or wanting it because a year ago, a lot of people in the offline traditional corporate space or, or business like accounting and taxes, they didn't know Zoom. And now nobody, you know, it's like, where have you been for the last 12 months, right? right. So that's what drew me to this content strategy for, for accountants, bookkeepers, tax professionals, but my strategies pretty much can be adapted and, and implemented to any industry. For sure. And, and that's, uh, you know, what you said is like the essence of what an entrepreneur is, is kind of finding a problem and providing a solution to that problem. Exactly. So, you know, what is your definition of content marketing and, uh, you know, how, how do you think it can impact businesses? So to me, like content marketing, it sounds so weird, right? Like content marketing, it's like, 
you, if you're not from the online space, it doesn't make any sense. Like, what is that? So I've had to, that's part of the process is an education of defining it in a way that makes sense to the people that are curious about it. And so the way that I describe it is to sort of say that it's, it's like a way to share value with your audience. It's a way to share information or combined with your expertise, your special sauce. You know, like we can, both you and I, Wesley, we could speak about the same thing, but we have a different delivery way, or we have a different story to combine with that how-to tip. And so whether we're sharing the same information or not, it doesn't matter. You bring your own experience, your background, your, your style, your stories, your cases, your testimonials to combine with whatever it is that you want to share. So for me, content marketing is a way for you to show your expertise in order to attract and connect with your ideal audience that you can provide a transformation for. And so content becomes almost like, what's your message? What's your, what's your tip? What is the thing that you want to share and help people with? Uh, and so you start to learn how to communicate in a way that shows the before, the during, and the after. What is that experience of working with you? It's like, how do, you, how do people come to me how do I help them through that process? And how do they feel or what, are, what is their life looking like after working with me? And so you do that by just creating, you know, the content and writing or recording a video or an audio for a podcast. All it is, is you're sharing your expertise in different ways. And those different ways is what becomes like sort of like the content strategy that you then create in order to give, um, your business or your service, your product, a way to shine. It's like, ultimately, we want to drive our audience down this pathway of, uh, you know, let's, let me tell you a little bit about me. That's the discovery phase, like the introduction to me, or the services that I provide, or the product that I make or that I sell. And then we get a little bit more into, hey, here's what it can do for you. So it's a little bit now the relationship starts with, hey, a little bit of you know brand awareness, if you will. And then we move it a little bit further into, here's how you can trust me. You start to build a relationship based on sharing testimonials or giving them a how-to tip for a quick win. And, and so you start to really um, progress the relationship. So to the point where you invite them to maybe a free webinar, a masterclass, or grab a free resource that would, again, move the relationship further and build that trust. And ultimately, you may want to make an invitation to, hey, let's hop on a call, or I'm running this, this this quick little masterclass, it's low entry point, maybe a small fee, but you start to pro make progress to have a solid foundation for that relationship. It may start with social media, but it continues with the trust factor in whatever it is that you end up offering them, whether it's, you know, a quick call or a resource or to attend a masterclass. It's just so many different ways that you can continue to build that. For sure. And, is you know, one thing was, well, I guess, two things that I really like about uh, social media and content branding is it, it humanizes businesses. Um, and then it also works for you and continues to advertise and promote for you while you're away, while you're sleeping, while you're on vacation, whatever the case may be. It just continues working. Exactly. One of the examples that I um, like to share with with 
whoever I'm talking to, it's basically, I was going to say with my audience, but it's basically whoever is listening, I'm going to share it. But, you know, if you think of it, sometimes people get caught up in like, why should I create all this content? I mean, should I, should I wait until I have a bigger audience to, you know, to create more content or nobody's really paying attention. And so I, I, I often will say, listen, creating content for social media, whether it's you're writing a blog post, creating a short little video, having a YouTube channel or a, a static, you know, graphic, it doesn't matter. What you're doing is you're filling up the inventory in your store. If you think about when you go shop in, in shopping for a, whether it's a boutique or a large store, do you think that the store owner is going to wait until the customers come through the front door? before they fill up the, the store with inventory so they have something for you to look at and buy. So your, your social media channels, you are filling it up with the inventory. So when they do arrive at your store, they have a variety of things to look through to get the essence of who you are, who you help, how you help them, and a little bit about you, the human behind the business. For sure, for sure. So, you know, how would a business owner um how would they know when it's time to outsource and then you know what part of the content creation can they outsource or should they outsource there's you know there's a different kind of like methodology like people think of it differently some people are like it's my business only i can do it only i can write it or only i can film it and to a point that's correct and especially early on you should know how to do a lot of these things so that when you do hire someone to take a piece of it if not all of it you can give some really good guidelines and you can appreciate what goes into creating uh the content or you know the platforms that you use every little step of you know whether it's creating the graphic writing the caption researching the hashtags there's just so much to it you should know how to do it that the saying i have one of my business coaches uh, in my career natalie eggdahl she says just because you know how to do it doesn't mean that you should there comes a point where you be, you as a business owner become the bottleneck and when you don't have enough time to get it all done and it starts to suffer the consistency matters when you're no longer consistent because you can't keep up the pace you can't keep up with the demand you can't keep up with all the things all the hats that you're wearing and all the things that you're doing it's time for you to step back be honest with yourself and be like you know what what's the best use of my time what are things that only i can do and then get busy creating a workflow and a training. You can, you can record your desktop. You can record yourself on video to train the person and give them a piece. It, uh, outsource somebody to create the graphics for you with your guidelines, your brand colors, your logo, your whatever. You know, like for me, I have um, in my brand guide, I have a list of words that I, I don't use. You'll never find them in my captions, in my content or anything. Whether I have the help with the graphic designs or the captions, I give the guidance of like, here's the flow that I like. Here's the kind of headlines that I like. Here are the, here's a list of calls to action. When you find yourself not doing something like if related to your social media or your content marketing, because you don't have time, it is time for you to take a step back and outsource. And by the way, you can outsource just a piece. And I'm going to give you an example. Um, I gave this example to a really, really busy. Um, they are resellers. They are not resellers of like $10, $50. They are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars type of reseller with eBay and Amazon. And, and the advice was, you have to relinquish control if you want to scale. 
you will you will limit the growth of your business if you continue to hang on to everything because you're control you want to control everything. So we started off by locating two to three people to test them. We gave them the exact same exercise. We said create these five caps or um, create these five graphics based on these guidelines. We found three people. We used Fiverr.com. You know F I. V-E-R-R. And we looked at the feedback and everything. We hired three of them. We gave them the exact same input, same same exercise, same everything. We were looking for things like who communicated the best, who listened, who really paid attention to the details, who delivered the product in addition to uh, who was a good fit. And out of the three, by giving that same exact exercise, we were able to find the person we were going to go and start outsourcing the graphics. Then next, we did the exact same thing for writing captions. The next thing we did for like, uh, you know, it's just like a piece of the workflow. You yourself have to know the workflow. And then you have to be like, what am I willing to relinquish? Because once you start to relinquish and you find somebody that you really like and you trust, and again, it, even if they don't get it perfectly overnight, is that somebody that you can train? Is that somebody that you can give more to and more to? Even if you don't go to Fiverr, maybe it's somebody that you can test, you reference. I love the idea of running an exercise for them to do it simultaneously so you can see and compare who did the best job and who is a good fit for you because it's also about personality, communication. Um, can you count on them? Are they reliable? So, yeah, that's for sure. That, that for was sure. a long-winded answer. Sorry, Wesley, got carried no. away. <laughs> no, it was full of great information and we definitely needed to hear that. Um, but, you know, you spoke earlier kind of about having, you know, multiple businesses. And I know that you're no stranger to hard work. So, you know, how do you focus on staying productive throughout the day? And, you know, what does an average day kind of look like for you? So the way that I stay productive is through my project management. We use Asana. We use Asana heavily. I actually uh, purchased a training courses for my team to go through it so that we're all on the same page so that we can really utilize it to its maximum. And Asana allows us to stay the course and to the way that I train my team is to say, don't just look at the day of what's due today. <laughs> you have to look ahead in order to determine how do I need to plan out my week and we're big time blockers in my team and in my in my own life. I'm a big time blocker, meaning I you block out the time to work on client work and which client are you working on? Uh, you block out time for your personal life as well. You know, there is a time block in my calendar to walk my dog. <laughs> um, and there's time for, you know, whether it, we we, we don't do the same thing every day. I'll talk about that in a minute, but we do check in daily and I have people on different time zones, but they know whether we're going to check in all together through Zoom or I send a quick Slack or a quick message to all of them. They know, you know, they need to let me know. We, we always talk about over communicate. And what that means is look ahead. What What's a challenge that came up? Did you not receive somebody like a dependency? Are we depending on somebody else to provide us with a piece of information before we can move forward? So we're constantly checking in, not throughout the day, because I think that's disruptive. That's not a productive way to run a business or even get things done. You know, the constant ping or the constant text or Slack or a direct message. We even have a check-in for our our direct messages or social media time, because if we constantly disrupt our, what is that? A pattern interrupt. 
it is so wasteful of your time and energy and thought pattern. So for us, we stay productive by using a, the main two things is our project management system, which is Asana and time blocking our calendar in order to really focus. Because then Wesley, if I know that I blocked out time on let's say Friday afternoon to create content or to work with my team on content creation, I don't have to worry about it on Monday through Monday through Thursday. When am I going to do that? No, because I know I've got time blocked on a Friday afternoon. So that allows you peace of mind and it allows you to not be worried about or put any energy on things that you've already taken care of. It's just that it's not today. It's on Friday. So maybe even on Friday, if we say Friday afternoon, we're going to work on content creation. We start to allocate, it's like, hey, one hour into brainstorming for different topics or the theme days, another hour for, you know, brainstorming or strategizing about, you know, the, the, captions as well as where is what's the end point why are we what are we creating this content for and just basically giving allotting a specific task to that time block on your calendar nice nice so you know how was that transition for you from you know the corporate world to working for yourself you know, was, was that a scary moment or did you feel that, you know, you had all the tools that you needed to be successful? How was that transition for you? The the transition was not as simple. The, the, uh, and this it's twofold. And I think that one of them is getting ready to leave between making my decision to go on my own and starting my consulting practice, it was about six months. And during those six months, I was nurturing my network. I was reaching out. I was letting people know, you know, reconnecting. I wasn't telling them, Hey, hire me or, you know, no, it was nurturing. My network was to let reach out and start reigniting that relationship, reconnecting and also saving money and realizing like, what, how much do I need? Who, what do I need to, uh, scale back on how much do I need to save? What do I need to actually start the business and run the business, especially if I don't get clients right away? And, you know, so that transition was me preparing a, my accounting background definitely helped and me being a bit of conservative when it comes to, you know, I wasn't going to burn the boat. <laughs> so that just means that I wanted to have a client before I actually really left, which I did. I, you know, nurturing my network, my first, second and third more, hey, your clients are in your network, the contacts in your network, but it's up to you to keep in touch, stay in touch and really sort of like communicate what it is that you're doing and show up with value. But the part that was not as easy was the, I had to mourn who I was in the corporate world and mourning means, yeah, there were times when I was sad because when you are, especially in my position, I was the boss. I was number two. There was a chief executive officer and I was the chief operating officer. When you are at that level, you run the show. You make this, you're the decision maker. You are um, used to having a team to just execute on your vision, on your strategy, on your say so. Uh, you have a big support system as well. When you go on your own, especially as a consultant, and this is when I started consulting, it was just me. I didn't even have a team. It was just sort of like, yeah, I had clients. And as a consultant, I could advise, recommend, suggest, but then they could not do any of the things that I said. And I had to really go through that mourning period of, and it, you don't know when it's going to show up, but it does show up when you realize, oh, 
I am no longer that person, the chief executive, anything. I am a consultant or self-employed or independent consultant, freelance, whatever you want to call yourself early on. But you're also, you're, you know, you can start calling the shots and get excited about the possibilities. And so you have to go through that period, recognize it, mourn it, and then let it go and work through it and get excited about the possibilities of to have your own business, what it means to be the boss of your own thing. Uh, but also, you know, you have nobody else to count on. You're the decision maker. You're the one that's going to, you know, make or break it because it's up to you. You have to motivate yourself. You have to set the milestones and the deadlines and show up with that integrity, the self-integrity. Self-integrity is, you know, the, the promises that we make to ourselves and the act of keeping them. Or in many cases, people just break those um, promises, especially if they don't share them with anyone. So you have to be accountable to yourself as well. So while it, it's exciting to think about starting your own business and going out on your own, the, the scary part is not so much the financial because you can plan for that. The, the challenging one is the, the mindset that Nobody, nobody really talks about that. Nobody warns you about that. They're always like, yeah, go out on your own, start your business. It's great. You're going to be able to call all the shots. And uh, yeah, there's a downside to that. There's a dark side <laughs> to that, that you should be prepared. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, you know, once you got to that place, you know, in your own business to where you were able to, you know, hire out and outsource, um, you know, can you speak, speak to the importance of having a good team and you know how you built your team having a team is will allow you to grow not only as a business owner your business will grow but it will help you to grow as a leader because if you hire the right people obviously no one's ever going to care about your business the way you care about your business but hiring people who are experts in the thing that you want them to take over and to have them take ownership of that's only going to make your business, your company stronger, but it's also going to give you peace of mind, the peace of mind for you to go and do that thing that only you can do. And believe me, when you hire a really good team member and then you hire a team member who's not so good, but for one reason or another, you keep them around, that will hurt the morale of that other person. Because what happens is you as the leader will start to overwhelm, overload, overwork, that person that you can count on, the person that shows up for you, that you can, that is committed, that is just like, I'll get it done. The GSD gets stuff done. I was going to say the other word. It's like <laughs> caught myself. But because the other person that you've, that you've hired is not quite living up to it. And for whatever reason, you're not doing what you should do business owner and as a leader and taking care of your team that's actually performing. So I do stress you can give people a second chance. Sometimes it's a training. Sometimes you as the business owner and as the leader have to take accountability for you sometimes don't have the time or did not make the time and put the time in to training them correctly. If that's the case, be fair to that team member and ask them to like, what will help you? What's going on? Especially if they're not performing, don't jump into you're not performing. No, maybe there's something going on and you need to, to talk about it and come up with a game plan to address it. But if they're truly the wrong person for your team, you need to let that team member go faster, sooner than later, because it will impact the morale of your key ace player. 
And the way that I hire people is I do hire based on sometimes it's personality. If I think that the thing that they need to do is skill set, if they have the skill set, like especially I'm going to say talk about accounting a little bit. Certain accounting things that I have, you have to have an accounting degree. There's no that you have to, because that is a skill that you can't, you can't just wing it. You have to know the rules, the policies, the regulations. So if I see that you have a college degree in accounting and I see that there's progression in your background, I already know you have your skill set. So the interview or the getting to know you is going to be more about the cultural fit. Are we going to constantly disagree because we have different views, different core values? Uh, are you a wing it kind of person where I'm totally prepared? I don't want to hire like me, but I want to hire someone that's compatible. I don't want to hire someone that's going to be at constant odds and in almost argumentative on a daily basis because we're so, so different. And so a little bit of that comes into play of like, you know, there's a lot of personality tests that um, you can uh, have your potential hires take, and you have to take the time you as a leader, again, take the time to learn how to read those and what it is that you are looking for. Because the person I'm, I like, I like to execute. I like to think, I think a lot about a lot of things and I like to execute. I don't need another one like me, but I do need somebody who's got um, a very solid business background for certain positions that I hire for but I don't need them to be the quick starts, the thinkers. I am that person. I need the one that's going to say to me, that's great, but we can't do it all at once. Ron. We got to slow down. Let's prioritize. We're going to work on this first. And I, as the leader, have to respect that, that that's what I hired them for as well. So hire fast if it's the wrong, if it's the right person and nurture them and invest in them. Fire fast if it's the wrong person member because it'll impact the morale of your team and you as a leader run the risk of failing the team player that's showing up for you that's so committed i hope that helps no that was that was very insightful for sure um so you know what would you say is your you know favorite part about being an entrepreneur I have two sides. It's one's external and one's internal. The internal is being able to give jobs to, to people that I want to work with. You know, it's like I think about people that I worked with in the past and I've reached out and and I'm so fortunate that when I do reach out, people want to work for me and want to work with me. Um, so it's really exciting for me as I build my team, whether it's an employee or a contractor, um, whether maybe it's project-based or on a retainer, it doesn't matter. It's like that I get to not only hire people that I like, but also in some cases uh, with COVID, so many things shut down, so many places either went out of business or just laid their people off that I was able to offer jobs to some of those people. And that was just, it was a great opportunity for me to give back, pay it forward and be, you know, do something great for my business. And externally, Man, nothing beats seeing, helping a client, even if they're non-paying client, somebody who grabbed one of your resources or got a tip from you or asked you a question. And then they send you a message saying, taking a picture, like, look what I did. I followed your advice. And this is what I did. Like, oh my God, Wesley, nothing makes me happier than to get a, a DM on Instagram or in, on LinkedIn. Or I just got a video earlier today on Instagram, uh, excuse me, on LinkedIn. They send me a video. I'm like, 
oh my God, I helped you. And by the way, it's not a friend, not a colleague, (laughs) not a family member, (laughs) a total stranger heard me, followed my thing, my tip, and they got a result and they felt that the, they took the extra step to let me know that I made a difference, that I made an impact, whether it was big or small, it doesn't matter that I celebrate that win because that's what makes me show up. That's what makes me share the message. And I don't know when they're going to hear it, how they're going to hear it. As you said early on, Wesley, you're like, in our content on social media works for us 24 seven. We don't know when they're going to grab that piece, that message, when they're going to hear it or read it. For sure. For sure. So, you know, what would you say is the single most important reason for your success? Um, mindset. I, I, it sounds so terrible. Okay. I'm going to say this in corporate America, the word mindset doesn't exist. I've never, I never heard it. It was more about that your attitude, your your, just like your beliefs. Mindset ha- plays such a heavy. It, it just has a heavy impact on the way that you show up, the way that you're going to go through a really really crappy day or crappy season, um, a challenging moment. It's the the mindset and having tools to be able to snap out of it and keep going forward, to be able to just. Take a deep breath and disprove whatever dumb belief that you got in your head. I often will say, is that real or is that a story I'm telling myself? And I get busy pulling one of my tools out and disproving something like, you know, I I think about um about it's 2021 at the time that we're recording this podcast. And I think back to I think it was 2016. And I was teaching a class virtually. And I heard myself say, I'm not very athletic. And as soon as I said it, I go, actually, that's not true. Because I started listing, proving that immediately. And I walked through my audience through that. It's like, I played sports in, in grammar school and high school. I played sports, uh, not in college, but you know, you can join leagues outside like softball. I played, um, I ran my first marathon at the age of 41, half marathon, half marathon. I ran the San Francisco Nike, the the Nike uh, marathon in, uh, I was 41. What? I'm not a runner. Well, <laughs> I ran half a marathon, not once, not twice, three times. And so as I heard it and saying it out loud and in hearing it, it's like people, whenever we have that imposter syndrome, which we all have it new level, new devil. We are going to have that imposter syndrome show up over and over and over again. And so when I, when you ask me like, what do I attribute to my success? It's my thoughts. It's my beliefs. And it's, it's snapping out of that, that internal dialogue. You know, the mean girl comes out and we've got to tell her to be quiet. (laughs) And, and we all have that. So mindset plays a huge, huge game or a huge role, excuse me, a huge role in, in success or even failure. For sure. I agree 1000%. Um, but you know, with, with you having been in business and running your own companies for, you know, a little more than a decade, can you think back to like one of your most critical moments of your business journey, kind of like a fight or flight moment for your, um, you know, journey? Yeah. 
I early on, there's, there's more than one, but I'm going to pick one. (laughs) And by the way, it's okay to have them. We grow from them, but don't let that stop you. It's just something, just be like, okay, this is a learning opportunity. But when you're in the moment, yeah. uh, Early, early on, I had a one-on-one coaching client. It was a client, you know, they hired me and um, it was a husband and wife team. I didn't know it was going to be a husband and wife team. And it was almost like they in the investment in that, in, in me, they invested in me to coach them. It was almost like every time that they showed up, they showed up ready to fight, ready to show me that I was wrong. It was a really difficult client. And so I made the decision to fire them as a client you know, reimburse them their fee and, you know, kind of say it is not, oh, I've never talked about this. So it's kind of like bringing back some stuff, but you know, it's like, it wasn't the right fit for them and it wasn't the right fit for me, but it was like one of those clients that I was like, I knew that I could help them. I knew that I could help in so many ways, but I was spending so much time and energy almost trying to convince them Uh, At the time, I still had my own one-on-one coach, very expensive one. And she was just like, there, there is not a good fit and you need to let them go. And so let them go however you want. But I wrote a nice email. They thrashed me. They sent me an email, a letter. They did quite a few things. Um, It it just shattered my self-confidence. And I'm like, wait a minute. It took me a a couple of weeks to recuperate from that because it it made me question, what am I doing? I, because it was like the business coaching, right? I'm like, I'm this consultant. I've done all these things. I've got all this background and here these people are basically calling me a fraud or calling me all these different things. And I had to work through that because while that's going on, I'm still helping all these other people that are giving me all these great, all this great feedback and how I'm bad one, the one that's calling me a fraud or calling me just like, I don't know what I was doing. (laughs) It took me a couple of weeks to just sort of like regroup and reset and be like, no, 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 no. They're lashing out. It's okay. Just, you know, take it in, see if there's something there that's valid that I need to either grow or understand or take into consideration and tweak. And, And what I came away from is that I needed to hone in on my messaging better so that I the right client that would be a good fit for me and and also for me to be a good fit for them but that one made me question like whether I wanted to pursue my my coaching business and took a deep breath and made me just really like just go dark for a few weeks like I didn't want to show up I didn't want to post I didn't want to share I didn't I didn't want to give my opinion I just wanted to be quiet. And, and I let this, this couple just do that to me. And I'm not going to say it won't happen again, but I definitely did not let that happen in the arena in terms of, I wasn't going to be into the argument and made me want to not do that anymore. I was like, Oh, this is for the birds. I'm not doing it, (laughs) but I got over it. (laughs) How about you, Wesley? I mean, you asked me a loaded question, so I'm going to turn it right back on you. Okay. And the question would be, have I ever had a fight or flight kind of moment fight yeah fight or flight kind of moment um no I don't think so I don't think I have yet like running my own business because everything I'm doing right now is kind of focused on brand building and content creation 
So I haven't I haven't too much reached out to to work with clients yet. Right now, I'm still in the building phase, so I haven't mm-hmm. come across that situation yet. But when I when it does come, I feel like I'll be prepared because I I hear so many um, wise answers and wise you know teachings to help me kind of you know. But I know every situation is unique and different, and and when you're in it, it's kind of different. But Hopefully some of the lessons that I've learned throughout recording these podcasts and talking to successful people like yourself will help me kind of avoid it and kind of maneuver it better than I probably would on my own. I would say reach out, like go talk to somebody that you trust that knows you. Um, Not so much a family member because they don't, our family loves us and they know, they know us a certain way, but they don't know the business side. Go and talk to somebody that you, that knows you on the business side. And believe me, they'll be like, are you crazy? No, 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 no. Let's get busy disproving this thing. You know? So sure. just reach out. For sure. But you know, now that I think about it though, when I was in Seattle, actually when I was in Seattle, so it wasn't my own business, but it was a part of my career journey. I was in Seattle and I was just feeling like, man, it was moving so fast paced and the accounts were so big and everybody was just, it was a big city. Like my first time living in this big city like that. So yeah, I definitely had my, my, um self-confidence and ego check for sure (laughs) (laughs) for sure (laughs) so you know who would you say that you look up to for inspiration and why um a couple of different people but i'm gonna start with uh simon sinek um he he's definitely influences a lot of people you know in a positive way what i like about him and I, I admire actually is that he really focuses on human beings. You know, whether you're you're have a, a profession, you're a big wig in the corporate world in the corporate world, or you have your own business. He's just talking about, you know, the core value of being human for us to be good to each other, to be good to ourselves. And there are so many talks that he has, so many videos where we just um he speaks to the core value of your essence, your humanness, your, your, how can you make a positive impact on your neighbor, on your loved one, on your colleague? You know, he also talks a lot about culture in the workspace. And while I am no longer part of the corporate world individually, my, my clients on the consulting side and my, my accounting and CFO uh, consulting side, my clients are, are in the corporate world. They're startup, they are startup companies. So I want to be able to still influence them in whatever way in that, that culture that he talks about. But in my own business, I also want to keep that in mind. It's like, what culture am I, am I building in my business for my team, for myself? And he also talks about how if we want to get clients, you know, the clients are not going to remember all these different specs of our product or our service. They want, how are you gonna make them feel? And part of that is you sharing the why, the reason why, because when you start to share about yourself, the human behind the business, the decision maker, you really talk about just like, they, they, they're they in, now investing in you or something that they feel is a good, worthy thing about you or something that they can resonate with or recognize in you about themselves. And so I, 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 yeah, Simon Sinek for a lot of different reasons. There's a lot of females that I actually look up to as well. 
not as well known. So, but I'm just going to throw the names out there. Natalie Eggdahl, she has a podcast called the Biz Chicks Podcast. Um, she has a corporate background like myself, but now has her own very successful business. I'm part of her group coaching program, but she has a very relatable way of um, being, she's a mom, she's a wife, she's a, a daughter, granddaughter. She's all these different people that um, many women can resonate with and still have a successful business. And she always says, I don't do it alone. I have a team. I have a team at home and I have a team at work. And that's also one of those things that I, I admire is that let's not be afraid to get help, to ask for help where we need it, where we may not be strong. There's nothing wrong with that. And let me tell you, Wesley, that having a housekeeper <laughs> keeps me happy and sane at home and i've had a housekeeper since my corporate days when if i could share this story real quick but this was i i was part of a company in 1997 in the silicon valley we were going public and there's this thing when you go public that you go into the bankers the accountants uh, the internal team of the company they go into what's called the printers it's this kind of like hub it's you know where we all come together we're writing all the documents to then push the button to go public it's a big deal well we were there day and night for almost three days i'll say two and a half and all these, i was one female the only female all these guys, their wives were coming with a clean shirt and da 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 and the shaving kit. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I think I need a wife. <laughs> Nobody was bringing oh, me anything. And so that's when I realized, oh, I went and I, I hired a housekeeper to help me with the, you know, and then I hired someone to cook certain meals because I was working 13, 14, 16 hour days. Um, but I was at the time single and living on my own, not even a roommate. And I was like, I need help. And so there was nothing wrong. And I got a lot of flack from my friends because it was, I was very young. I got a lot of flack from my friends, from my family that, Ooh, you know, you got yourself a housekeeper. I needed help. There's nothing wrong with getting help people. And whatever that looks like a dog walker, a gardener, somebody to pick up and drop off your dry cleaning. I don't care what it looks like get the help that you need. And part of that help has come through getting the okay from people that I admire, like a Natalie Ekdahl or a Simon Sinek. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I definitely agree. We all need help for sure. In, in some, some aspect, some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, how do you define success as an entrepreneur? Having Success used to look very different. I think it depends on what stage you are in your life. Early on, success for me was the title with the compensation. Then success became about the bank account and the assets, that the things that it could buy, um, travel. And then later, as in the stage that I've been in for a really long time now, success is being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that doesn't mean that I go to the beach every day or drink my margaritas or no, it means that I get to work with people that I like. I get to hire people that I respect and like that you hear the like, you know, and I get to be pickier about the clients that I, that I, that I work with and what I build in my business allows me to also be home and have more balance and be more present because sometimes we are so busy going from one thing to the other thing to the other thing, which I did for a really long time. 
I was not fully present in one place ever. Whereas now when I'm with my family, which we're not, I on, we're on zoom. <laughs> so, but, but I'm fully there. I'm not checking my phone or I'm not like, okay, I gotta go. Nope. It's like, even now, Wesley, with you, you know, you asked me about my time constraints. Like I am 100% here with you. I don't have the time constraints because I want to make sure that I'm present and being able to give my all. And that goes for my home life, my family life, my friends, and, um, the success that I have achieved comes with a lot of peace of mind. So that's how I define success is being able to carve out a balanced life that I've always wanted, always strived for, did not truly believe I could have, but you know, some days are still challenging, but for the most part, it's pretty good. And I think it's really cool how you were like transparent about your evolution, about your thoughts of success. Um, you know, because I think it's really normal for people to start out and the, the idea of success is like having that bank account or having that title. But then to see now, you know, where you are and just being, you know, really happy with having your freedom and being able to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. I think that's great for other people to hear that, you know, your ideas and mindset can change and evolve as you as you evolve. Yeah, absolutely. Just be coachable. That's the main thing. It's like, you know, be curious, stay curious and be open to to co being coachable because the the growth will come in those uncomfortable moments the having the self-awareness to look at yourself and be like oh i need to not do that anymore or i need to improve that or i'm going to keep that up and you know go all in on that so it's being coachable sure so how would you like for people to remember you and your companies Man, Wesley, that's a great question. <laughs> I would like them to, um, a cautionary tale. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in a way it's like to see that, um, it's a journey, whether it's your, your professional in a corporate job, or you have aspirations to start your own business, or you're in the early stages of a business. It's a journey. You're not going to figure it out over over overnight. And I'd like you to just hear my the different uh, topics that we've been covering through our conversation, Wesley, for people to hear that it takes time. And just because you start out in one spot doesn't mean that that's where you're going to end up. That give yourself the flexibility to get to learn yourself, learn about yourself, and um, allow yourself the flexibility to go on a you know, on a side journey here and they go off road. It's okay. Cause you can always come back. And I'd like you to remember me in the way that, Hey, she's had an interesting career background. And how do you go from corporate to CFO to then content strategist? Well, you know, there's, it's an evolution and I don't even know what I'm going to be doing in five years from now, but it's probably going to be somewhere along the, the way, this is the foundation for that next thing. I didn't give up my accounting background. I didn't give up my consulting career is part of what I offer as a content strategist to my accountants and bookkeepers and tax professionals. There's a, th there's a, a thread that, you know, links them all together, but one doesn't necessarily have to look like the other. So I want you to just remember me as someone that can uh, it hopefully inspire you to take a chance and be a little flexible with yourself and, and also be nice to yourself. That self-talk is really important. For sure. For sure. So what would you say the future of your company looks like? 
One of the uh, decisions I made this year was to expand my consulting practice. Um, I, I haven't even named, given it the name because we're under a rebrand right now, but my consulting practice employs people. That is my, my remote accounting. It's, it's called Fortified Accounting. And as much as I wanted to, you know, maybe not continue to grow it, it does continue to grow. It's word of mouth. And, you know, I, I saw an opportunity to also be able to employ people that would have otherwise been unemployed who are very valuable and can provide a service for those clients that need us here in not only in the Valley, but because it's a remote culture now, we are able to service a lot more than the clients don't necessarily need me to show up to their to their workspace anymore. We do it all online. They now feel like they have more access to us than ever before because of the Zoom, you know, Slack or online, you know, remote meetings that we have. So I think that while I continue to grow my content strategy business, which is obviously also online and it's very focused on helping people with their content strategy, the consulting practice, and I don't know why I could call it a consulting practice, it's always, I've always called it that, but it continues to grow. So I think we're going to invest some time and resources into scaling it by having the website and uh, creating content for it. Just like as I helped my other clients, uh, we are going to be a client of that content strategy ourselves. So it's a lot of growth this year, believe it or not, in, the, in a time when a lot of people are scaling back or shutting down, we're so fortunate that we're able to show up, but that's the whole thing. We have been showing up without even wanting or asking for anything in return, just in a way to help people. So the consulting practice is going to scale quite a bit this year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Veronica, I've learned so much throughout this interview, but before we go at the end of every podcast, we like to play a rapid fire question game. Okay. If you're up for it, I'll ask you three questions. Oh my goodness. Okay. Can I ask you a question then after? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Question number one, where's your favorite place to travel? Africa. Ooh, Africa. That's the first I, one I heard. Why? I attended, I attended, I, um, we went, uh, for three weeks to Africa. We went to Kenya and Tanzania. And while the safaris were amazing, the animals were fantastic. I fell in love with the people, the culture. I still keep in touch with them. I, we went a year and a half ago, two, two years ago. It's our goal to go back. The, the, just the people, the culture, the, the, the joy, the generosity. Um, we just went to all the small villages and I just like completely engrossed myself in there. And I, I intend to go back sooner than later but you know under the COVID conditions it's just the most beautiful majestic I'm just like right now thinking of like all the sunsets and the sunrises I've never woken up so early (laughs) and just like uh, so hearing the animals we we were able to stay in areas there's just so much beauty but the people were the most amazing people and I've traveled a lot yeah Africa that's so dope so question number two what song explains your life the most? Oh my, there's just so many good songs. My Earth, Wind, and Fire, my Prince songs. <laughs> but, um, you know, right now, there's just so many things like I will survive. You know, is that perseverance. The perseverance of when you're an entrepreneur, you will get knocked down. 
your breath will be taken away. Like you will be knocked down your butt. Get up, keep going forward. You'll survive this. Just keep saying that to yourself. I'll survive this. I've survived worse. I've survived. Oof, I will survive. For sure. Glory Gaynor, the- I think. Glory Gaynor, I think. <laughs> okay. And the final question, what's an amazing thing that you did that no one was around to see? Oh my God. Um, okay. I lived in another country. Um, I, I lived in Central America. I, I grew up there. And when I was a little kid, I, I swam out in the ocean. And while that doesn't sound like a big deal, it was a big deal because I was very afraid of the ocean because I thought that the ocean was full of shark, which there are shark in Central America. But I needed to prove to myself that I was a, a good swimmer and nobody saw that, but I did it. And that gave me so much confidence in like, even as an adult, I'll say, I'm a really strong swimmer. I will volunteer to take care of all the kids at the pool. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm a strong swimmer. That gave me so much confidence for the rest of, I was like, I don't even remember how old I was. I was less than 10, but I swam out to the ocean and, and I was able to swim quite, quite far because I just did. And I was able to come back the confidence that that gave me unmatched by anything else. That's dope. That's dope. Okay. Wesley. Oh no, I get to ask you a question. I was going to try to speed right by it, but I'm ready though. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it has to do with music. And uh, someone asked me this question a while back and I just loved it so much that I like to ask it as well, which is if you were going to go to a desert island and you can only take the music from one artist, what would it be? Who would it be? That's a tough one. Man. <clears throat> one artist. Well, I'm a... Um... Wow, one artist. I can't name two. It just has to be one. <laughs> nope, one. All right, if I had to pick one, I'm I'm a, a rock star, so I'm gonna say Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah, love that. Good one. I'm a, Good I'm one. A Hendrix fan, but but before we get out of here, can you let the people know where they can find you on social media? Absolutely. I mostly am in LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn because that's where my ideal clients are under Veronica L. Sagastumi. And, uh, but other than that, I'm also, you know, just come and say hi. I'm on Instagram and on Facebook, but LinkedIn is the place. Let us know that you heard us on this web, on this podcast and uh, come say hello, connect with me because that's how we can start a conversation and continue the conversation. That's awesome. Veronica, thank you so much for your time. Wesley, I had the best time. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am.